Abby. And I'm Georgie. Coming to you with chats about all aspects of design, creativity and its influence on life. Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop. This, this is, is Creative Clinks. Which is what I would do. I had a stage. Okay. Because we weren't that busy and I just thought I'll sing some songs from the one woman show. <laughs> and because <laughs> I love a musical. And people would talk to other people about it and I would have the I've always been like a sing over the microphone but hopefully not as badly as my next door neighbours that I didn't know that anyone could sound that out of tune so I'm hopeful (laughs) that I wasn't and the the people that were going to the one woman show were the ones that were trying to have a drink when we were just closing on a Saturday because they couldn't get into anywhere because restaurants were doing two sittings yeah. and some of the restaurants were just being like, oh, we've made it now and they weren't really helping people. And next door, these people had been unable to get in anywhere for a drink or anything and I'd see them out the side or they'd see us still open and they'd come and have a look at what we were. And one of the couples had said to me, we just really want to have a a drink and maybe like some cheese or something because the other option is we've just come back from Woolworths. We've got a kettle and some sauces from the cups and we've had to make our own cheese platter because we can't get in for anything at any time. That I think they'd eaten lunch or something, so it wasn't all day, yeah. but they wanted to have dinner mm. or a drink and there was nothing and I just opened, right? So I did. I thought I'd do the one-woman show because we weren't busy because people didn't really – I didn't have signs out yet, things like that. So I just improvised and I had this <laughs> round stage made and I put it in the middle bar. Oh my god! And I'd I'd um, offer it, it evolved because uh, it was like I did a song and I didn't know that people would go, "What's next?" And so I wasn't able to get the height, and I wanted to make it all happen because it was pretty slow. And this round stage, one of the builders that had done some work at the just after we opened with things that needed to be completed, he said, "Oh, I can make you something to go in the middle because we've got that middle." ice bucket yeah, yeah I had to have that fabricated it's like wow oh, I should have gone with it. I now know why people mostly do square bar <laughs> yeah. anyway but that's a feature because we have the ice melts down into the ground oh my God. we don't have to carry it and empty it and there's water not getting warm and making the wine warm because the temperature is so crucial uh-huh. because we better have a, a okay. yeah. well, so okay so what are we drinking so if you've got any followers that might get bored with this, I'll go through <laughs> it really quickly. This is my new release called Athena and that's in the top range that I got the opportunity to spend time in the winery while no one else was allowed in there, just the head winemaker who we worked out how to see each other somehow. I'm, I hope I don't go to jail for that. But I was in one part of the winery and then she casually told me about some wine that she had excess of or a small batch of because they're a big processing winery and they have all sections where the small producers can have their particular products. And so I'm demanding so that's what I had as well. However, I I think that rosé should be made from Merlot. Okay. And it can be made from any red for me, I'm not a massive rosé fan. And if I start with what I like, then that gives me a really good foundation for the, the people that I'm attracting into my 
brand look and feel. So that's why I've only just done it this year. And it's it's called Athena. So let's have a little taste. And beautiful colour. If any of your listeners would like to do the tasting at home, if they get inspired and they really, really want to give me a call, I could get them a bottle if they were to give me their details. Oh, wow. If they love rosé, for example, or they can come here and try it. However, let's do a little taste. So when we're really tasting wine as a winemaker, the first thing you do is look at the colour. And that's because you're assessing, well, is that a good colour? So if this were bright pink, that wouldn't be the correct colour. And so you know that from the beginning. But if friend winemaker were to assess it and give me their opinion, well, that would this is the probably the most precise colour for a rose. What would you call that colour? Uh pink. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd come up with like a name that's just specifically for fair. Well, I could give you something from my repertoire of French. Oh, yes. Or my cross Latin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's a bit hard to – it depends on what you think pink is. Yeah. The colour below pink, well, it tends to be salmon, but if I describe it one as salmon, it's like, wow, oh. anybody who doesn't like salmon, they're <laughs> never – I've already deterred them and it's not even correct. I nearly feel like – Personally, it's very kind of nearly like a translucent kind of nearly peachy pink. Yes. Yes, It is. Yes. And it's quite clear. I have – it's been filtered and fined. So – Because I will be honest, the only, like, you know, Moscato's I've ever seen, it is bright pink and it feels like death. Um, Well, especially (laughs) if you had it and you had a lot and then remembered the colour later. Mm, true. Ouch. Mm, yeah. You'll never touch it again. No, and that, look, that was me a couple of weekends ago when I had oh the Oh, my God. I can't believe I even know you. <laughs> you should have been <sighs> checking my wines out so I we could know. have a debate. Well, look, it was more What brand was it? Uh, it I was, went to a friend's house because I went back to Tamworth for the Country Music Festival and caught up with a friend. Are you and, from Tamworth? Um, yeah, Tamworth, Narrabri area. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Next time you're here, I want to talk about cross-compare all the people that we know. Oh, yes. Oh, and I'm doing a, I'm doing a wine dinner. Oh yes, in Tamworth. Yes. Oh really? Yes. Oh that's hilarious. I've just been asked <laughs> by a great company who have five outlets, and they were really impressive, and they were so like they were really really right on ball with the kind of people that I would like to work with. Where everything that is important is already a given, and it's understood, and it's mutual because dinners can be. Very, very difficult if the restaurant just leave it up to the wine company and then they don't like it. You know, you have to work hand in hand. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. I've got better things to do than go to a wine dinner that is my dinner that I'm not even in a position to present the way I present. And prior to it, if someone doesn't like the presentation style and it's not that compromising it's not like I do nude or you know I could have done when I was 20 years later 20 years earlier and it's just one of those things but because they were so into the products and I didn't know they were a a purchasing company until they spoke in-depthly about the wines right Mm -hmm. they asked me what this was made from and so they're they've got the knowledge otherwise if you talk about that stuff some people just they don't want to know that and they don't have to know that but I'm here so I can answer any question from one end of the scale to the other because there aren't many wine makers who get time to be 
at the front. Mm, and, very true. Yeah, so. Or even within your industry or any real industry, it's it's hard to find someone who's literally had their fingers in every single pocket along the way and especially like your upbringing being so hands-on with it. I find, like I was quite surprised actually to hear that that, that was your holidays, your spend literally <laughs> learning those processes. So you've got such a great foundation there and then you then from being there, you're like, okay, this is how that kind of flavour should be presented or this yes. is the personality. Well, it's second nature. Yeah. Because when you are at the you know, under, say, 15, and there must be statistics on the actual age that you uh, take on things and it's not uh, – it's very easy to have a memory for that and to get – the relevance at, because you've never heard anything before. So being in the laboratory, well, I would ask questions and then because of that I would be in the laboratory with the same lab assistant from the year before and then I would try to make them think I was good by remembering and you couldn't uh, look it up on Google. No. Or Google or no, Wiki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had to pay attention. Yeah. Right? And – that was fantastic, but the lady who was the lab assistant was also a very patient person, clearly, now I look back, but I did, I learnt it from the ground up. I knew that I wasn't going to be a lab assistant, but I did know how to make the difference between, so an unfiltered wine, which is my Vermentino, that's been in and out of fashion. I don't really care about whether it's in or out. I do care about the pink Moscato, mm-hmm. uh, but then I had another opinion and another experience of wines that are always completely beautiful because that's the, that's the type that restaurateurs have kind of been always encouraging to have. But having a cellar door where I can explain why it's cloudy and I don't get a letter from someone saying, I bought this and it was really, really, <laughs> it was really unattractive. That just opens up. If someone thinks that, well, that's not wrong. It's actually, well, I didn't present it very well. So here I'm having the best time. Can you tell? Yes, oh, yes definitely. And because I haven't had to be out in front of consumers all the time and I know what that's like, I was already clear about what kind of outlet I would be putting uh, opening and what I would be offering because I couldn't get a better choice of options when I'm creating something and I'm at the kind of stage at my brand where what would I say I don't give a shit yeah. about yeah. everything else statistics etc yeah. I'm very confident yeah. in doing various things and Liz my well she's the senior winemaker because as you know I'm not a winemaker and she does all of that we discuss everything and she runs the whole winery, but she was my winemaker at Tempest 2. Okay, and wow. she was really young. And I was obviously, um, if I've said that, I was old and older. And I was about 35 when Tempest 2 was going nuts. And she would have been about 28. Mm-hmm. And so for her, it was her time to stand out mm-hmm. and man did she stand out we won so many awards well, do you know the and- funny thing about tempest too is like when i first moved out of home moved to sydney to study the my roommate said do you drink wine i went no and she went oh you will by the end of here and the first wine i ever drank was tempest too really yes dead set oh my god <laughs> where did she get it um she actually they came out to the hunter valley and they went to did they, the winery they've a, yeah they've got a cellar door there yeah yeah so yeah they bought wine back from there and because of course the label was beautiful. was it the pewter label yes it was and, and would it have been 
Pinot Gris? I think it was a Shiraz. Oh, you went Shiraz. to the hardcore. Yeah, yeah. They put me straight on that and I just tasted it. Was like, you went from not drinking to drinking that Shiraz? Yeah. <laughs> that was Vineval Shiraz. It was beautiful. And because oh. they came out for that. because I knew I really seen. liked you from the minute you looked after me in another area. <laughs> I do business. You um. do. <laughs> she said, oh, I'll be doing something that might I might want to give you a call. And I'd been looking for some assistance in some IT issues I was having. And <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> Anyway, we had a fabulous conversation. I know you heard this. But, uh, look, I don't just do every podcast. It, do, it takes time, right? And we connected and that's why now that I have an assistant, she puts people through the hoop and if it's not the right vibe, well, yeah. you know, you can't push it up a hill. Exactly. Anyway, that's I told you the rest, which was, oh, my God, it's an emergency. Don't tell it's just to come in later in the year because we were doing lots of promoting and launching, so she would have just been like, can you come at this time? Yeah, yeah. And well, I had one with Sandra Sully two weeks ago. Oh, really? She, yes, I love Sandra. She's so beautiful. And, I look, I did a lot of work with the media in Sydney because I had a great, great media manager and that was um, for about – the really big years in Tempest 2 where I couldn't control it because no one wanted to interview me before that, but at Sydney Morning Herald and all the opportunities came up and I was, I just needed to make sure it was managed properly. Yeah. And Maria Farmer was the, uh, was the most amazing publicist I've ever worked oh. with. I had to save up to afford her, but that really was the next step that helped with talking to the right people when you don't know, you know what you know, but you put someone who's an expert like an accounts person yeah. or a podcast person or you you get to that stage where you get what you pay for and it's really important. And yeah. so I've been really fortunate to have seen that many years ago when I had to do the caravan and the tyres weren't very good. But, <laughs> um, but, I, but I know that you get what you give. Mm. And these things, those sayings were all like, whatever, who made that That's up? That's true, though. And now you can see them on Facebook often when, they, when things go through mm. and there's such sayings that are so simple like, you get what you give. I was like, oh, that's cheap. But, but, it, but <laughs> yeah. it's true. I think about, oh, if you're in a restaurant, you'd get back the respect if you gave the good food. You know, you have to grow up before that. And now I know to get the right people in because I'm such a small business that I don't have one person being general in it. And that's how the fact that I've only just opened a retail outlet, Mm -hmm. people ask quite often, well, you're so, for someone who's just opened recently, you're so well known and I've seen you in the Sydney bottle shops how did you do it and I was like (laughs) and then I explained that I had to get the brand right before I would be in this position Mm -hmm. where you're face to face because I don't want to have it the other way around where I'm learning from my mistakes so I did it the other way and I was out of the hunter I was in Sydney for 30 years but uh, my parents live here so and they're getting older so one of the big factors was that my parents bought into a share of this land because it was being purchased by some international developers and it's been a blank. It's It was just a restaurant, the first restaurant in the Hunters Blacklands. Yes. And that restaurant was 
the thing being sold with the land and it was going to end up being like a couple of other properties had uh, eventuated to become from international investors who just let it deteriorate mm-hmm. and my it's the gateway here to the mm-hmm. Colwyn area. So my dad and uh, two other investors bought into it to take it off the auction market and then maybe give it a bit of a facelift and sell it when they could choose who they were going to sell it to and it would be someone who would not knock the restaurant down and the, the gateway to the hunter wouldn't be, I don't know, some unmown, unkept. Well, someone that can actually respect the work that's gone into it and they especially respect the concept that is trying to be pushed is that, is like you're saying, the gateway or just having that ability to teach people more in yes. depth and enjoy and kind of, you know, delve into the, and the not, whole process. Yes, and not look like some kind of con- down road. country area yeah. where they're a bit kind of, they don't know how to, mm. they're just winemakers. Mm. It was a time to be not just winemakers and that's what we had been because the winemakers were in charge of the whole, everything to do with the brand until it was sent to Sydney to a warehouse where the salespeople took it to the next level. But the winemakers had to do all those jobs and I'd seen that as well. So that's how I could define that. I need a bloody good person for this, a bloody good person for that, and they were consultants. Yeah. It, it's hard to – it's such a basic agricultural-driven business in the beginning to get everything right because you can't just come in and take the top wines without having a relationship with some of the top pr- producers and some of the top growers, and there's a lot of those people these days. However, it's the best way to go wrong if you just come in and breeze in and think – that it's all easy and they didn't like your dad or something. Anyway. Welcome to the small town um, men- like mentality, mentality on that one. Gosh. It's, Being- a, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah. And I, I had not really thought I, – I knew all of that before I was sent abroad. However, I was always a little bit shy and introverted because people would have some kind of a comment that wasn't – very encouraging about something I might have said like my pinot's bigger than yours <laughs> and I didn't understand why the generation ahead didn't ever think that our generation or maybe I'm talking about you're in a lower one the generation to me by the looks of your beauty uh, and that wasn't uh, very it wasn't a problem for these people to I don't want to I don't want to say the wrong thing but I just in every area in restaurants in the school everything I just didn't think things naturally in the same way and it was not till I'd left that I realized that the issue was not with what I was saying but with the people who were interpreting it and that was their decision. And I learned to accept that that was just an uh, opinion rather than wanting to bag them back. Yeah. Because it wasn't until I'd left that I knew that I didn't fit in. <laughs> Did you always feel like, I mean, I know it's a bit cliche, but like a little bit of a black sheep? Yes. Yeah. And black being the correct yeah. terminology in this aspect. Yeah. So, I mean. Uh, even when I said I want some black shirts yeah. for school, no. No. <laughs> But, I mean, you obviously vamp itself. I mean, the building, your design, everything. There is nothing else in the area like me. No. So you stand out. Well, that's the the way that I can do that without a flinch 
is comes back to the way I learned that it's not my problem. It's yeah. not my. It's not what I feel. It's not for me to dislike the the version that it's come from, mm-hmm. because you can be conservative. That's okay. Yeah. That was the best thing I learned by not feeling like I fitted in. And I thought it was because I had a business and doing a PL when I was like fifteen. Yeah, I realized that was really daggy, mm-hmm. and that it, like my dad's so good with finance, and I learned so much from that. Mm-hmm. Not that I do sit and do invoices and stuff but I have an understanding of it that's why I thought it didn't really fit in and as soon as I could I departed and it was I was thrown out but as you know and I became very aware that it's okay but you know what I actually really really love is that this still feels very authentically you like you're not trying to be someone I know who I am. Exactly, exactly. So that's why, like, that's how you connect with people. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, we were just talking about this when we had our, we had our loo <laughs> break. Mini break. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting here and I just said to Georgie, oh, my God, I love her. You know? It's you didn't know you'd be here all day. <laughs> no, no, because, like, you are authentically talking about how you love connecting with people. You know, and as designers, like, we're, we're, Georgie and I are obviously very two different designers. You're a designer as well. That, it's all about connection. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I don't formally say I'm a designer, but, but you are. I'm really, really fortunate that I get something visually mm-hmm. in my mind. I'll wake up with yeah. the artwork out the front. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that is was, incredible. <laughs> that was a very – I had a definite, definite vision of how that was going to look. Yeah. But when it was put into the the plans that the architects did, because that would be a chimney or something if I tried to draw it in. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I did do compasses and okay. um, I did do maths at school, obviously, yep. but I'm never going to get that into the right format like mm. you, you would do. Because Who designed this building? Um, it was done by a local architect company, EJE. Oh, okay. And I approached a few companies to see, which is what I learned to, to do when it's a it's a it's a consultant or a third party. And Tempest Two, I worked with an artist, a, a company from Newcastle that also had an office in Sydney. Okay. And there were a couple of different offers there for which architect would be the one to look after me. And that's what the company did because they knew that it was only like going to be one person out of three that might be able to deal with it because we had to walk into all these outlets so I could show him what kind of features I liked. And he taught me to be able to visualise and do a style guide. And so that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And the style guide, I've still got them. They're they're on my wall in my office, but not many people understand what it is. They look at it and think, that's a bad frame because it's not in a frame. And so... But I, the, the architects that did this, EJE, they had an amazing understanding of how to put something into this environment mm. and how to work with the owners of the land, which were they had to approve the, everything because I was going to put a restaurant in and there's a restaurant here, so things like that had to be considered. Okay. And so, as you know, I don't say no, but I don't take no very well. I learned to. I learned to. And everything I think that you do as a project such as this, something that's big, 
even in the day, like going to a great restaurant and picking the one between that one and that one. Yeah. Well, that's that changes everything about what's about to be the style of the day or if you're taking someone, because I've had to take a lot of restaurateurs to another restaurant for lunch, for example, to try and connect with them because they don't care. Yeah. They just think I'm a sales rep yeah. back then. And so no one knew me though. And you have to build up your reputation. Mm-hmm. And because I could talk restaurant, it was really, really it gave me a great confidence and sense of achievement because on the way in they would have been like, oh, just get get rid of her in half an hour. Mm-hmm. And then it'd be, well, you've been here for about five hours. It would be um, there'd be a connection, not on my wine. I'd make the connection on the food in, in the restaurant and blah, blah, blah. And so that's just really being interested mm-hmm. in what you're trying to sell, right? You've got to be interested. And the best salespeople, that's, everyone knows that. Well, every good salesperson has their heart in the brand. And I don't think I could sell a brand that I didn't like. Yeah. And I have sold other brands and I've sold it from my mentor. And so that's the connection. And wine has that kind of demand Mm. because there's lots of levels of wine now and there's some outlets in the hunter that only sell their wine directly to their consumers and I respect that because that is very intense and it's it's not like you walk into a restaurant you make an appointment you have to wait for people to walk in to attract them that's Mm. a lot of pressure yeah Mm. and they the the there's only several here they do really a really good job because they've got a following that is particular because the people have had their that experience with them. And so I think the hunter's made up of a lot of appropriate or businesses that suit fit in together like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. And it's not like it was in the 70s and 80s, which I don't remember. But the labels I was mentioning, all those labels I saw on that wall a few years ago, they were all white. Wow. I've got that photo. Yeah, we'll have it's, to definitely have a look. It's like someone set it up as that, but it was just how it was so just crazy. all the lovely wines from the history that used to be up on a shelf around the whole restaurant that had like a, a farm shed ceiling with a, a, almost a, a second roof bit, and but the bottles were just sitting on this row of wood, which I don't have here, as you can see, and they were taken down when they moved and they cleaned them up, and that's how that collection got together. It wasn't oh, someone's favourite labels from the uh, past. It was how the labels were. Amazing. And so putting them all together, I sort of I didn't actually draw that conclusion that I want to do a different label because the other labels are really boring and none of them are my friends don't talk about any of the wines from this area and because serious wines had white labels and French wines, well, they still do. And so that's how they built their reputation. And so it was, it was, wouldn't be the way it is now if those guys like Tyrrells and McWilliams and Penfolds didn't set the scene for Australians to drink premium wines that weren't expected to be slightly lower in quality than the French because the French were dominating and French wines were the most incredible products on the market until in the 80s when the Grange, I think it was 1990, the Grange wine, which had been produced since the 55, and it you it was expensive back then. My dad worked for Penfolds oh, as his wow. first job. Not that he, I'm saying he made Grange, but he knew Max Schubert and 
that was a hard 30 years to have that with the respect it has now, but everything changed when everybody out of the industry started to hear this amazing accreditation and award that they'd won. And it was, it was awarded by Wine Spectator, an American uh, international the wine magazine that put everything down and read wow. in the in in terms of any wine magazine and if that arrived in the office I'd try and steal it to read because I love looking at all the international wines you had to you couldn't pay to get in the wines had to be submitted and then they had to be oh wow they had to be in the top I don't know 400 wines every wow. month to get into the magazine oh wow so it was always a a, a bit of a pain to get recognized yeah however I think most of the small the brands back in Australia then they would send those wines that were being sold in America into the tasting every whenever it was. But you could buy a full page ad for like five thousand American dollars. Yeah, wow. yeah, something like that. But that was uh five thousand like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Anyway, one spectator was the most amazing. And if you were to put in your plan for what you wanted to achieve as a wine company back when you started out when the companies were just getting their quality and understanding what they were going to make and being standouts, the best thing that could ever happen would be if you were the number one wine, which would result in the product being advertised on the front page in gloss of Wine Spectator. Wow. And that's what happened to, I must check, it's the 1990, it's a long time ago. I think it's the 1990 release of Grange Hermitage and that put Australia on the map. Yeah, wow. It really did. That was the turning point in Australian wines being regarded highly globally. Wow, that's amazing. That's incredible. I'll check the year. (laughs) Well, from memory, it's 1990. Now, Lisa, we have a red here. So before we get to our last three questions for you, we need to know what this is. Well, I was thinking I might do a little game with you. Oh, okay, that's yeah. fun. Because, you know, when we've been off the air, I've seen you doing some other games. Okay. And <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, but one of the tasks that I get to do or the tests that I get to do quite often now is to put a wine in front of mm-hmm. some of my customers mm-hmm. and guests. And when you're not out in the front of the brand, you can't do this yeah. or you'll just be – if you do do it on the random occasions that you get in front of a group of people, they'll be like, oh, God, that was hard to get a glass of wine out of her. <laughs> However, as a wine person, when you're looking at a wine and it's it's not yours necessarily, but when you want to take the wine through the hoops to get a opinion yep. and add the three main areas – of how you break down wine. So rather than me going, oh, I love that wine, which is what I might do, if I wanted to play the game with you Uh at a wine dinner, I would have everybody participating and you'd win a big prize because often the person that thought they could pick it out of all the questions in a a big game, which is structured, to make that a a great moment for going out for dinner because you've listened to a winemaker talk on all night. And then everybody gets to participate and there's a winner, okay. right? And that's what we like. And quite often it would be a female and quite often it would be the person who thought they knew nothing. That's because, how I'm feeling at the moment. Because, <laughs> okay, well, we'll do a mini game. Okay. So the, the, the questions that I would ask for a mini game, I was going to take you through how to taste it 
specifically. But I think I got a bit um, kind of more interested in telling you about this game because <laughs> it's more exciting. But okay, I'll quickly yeah, say so that you look at the colour, yeah. okay, and that gives me an idea. As a winemaker, that gives me an idea that I've achieved what I was trying to achieve and the <laughs> colour is an indication of the quality and also of possibly the variety. Okay, so then the next thing we do is we nose it. So we give it a little bit of aeration. We put our nose in. Usually the nose is where it turns for some people because I've had one guy who won the biggest nose award, but he also <laughs> got his nose in there and worked out what it was like okay. really well. So you just have to take it in. Don't snort it. <laughs> and that'll give you an aroma. Okay. So if I had another wine next to that demonstrating that aroma okay. right now, the, the second wine, which would probably, this isn't a massively intense wine. So it's a lighter grape variety. Okay. If I put a Shiraz from the Hunter, in front of you to do that, uh, we'd probably all be sneezing because Hunter Valley Shiraz has a nose that's really outstanding and it's peppery. Yeah. Uh, that's a natural a natural occurrence in what happens in the environment and growing Shiraz in the Hunter. Okay. So that's not peppery, so it's probably not a Hunter Shiraz. Okay. So the next thing we do is very important and we'll all have to do this. Yeah. And you may not want to include this in <laughs> it, <laughs> it, but I'll try and do it in my best okay. in my best Googling voice. Yes. So take a have a sip, just how you normally have Can a sip. To swallow or is this one of those spit tests? Sip and swallow. <laughs> okay. You only have to spit if you're driving or if it's an, a wine that's in the tank still and it's not quite finished, you might want to, okay. in case you, the acid makes your teeth deteriorate. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so now I'd like to, because that's how you'd have it in a restaurant. Yes. You don't do this, ladies and gentlemen at home. You would never do what I'm about to do on the microphone. <laughs> and what it is, is the um, wine is going to sit at the tip of my tongue and I'm going to aerate it across my palate mm -hmm. and suck it back to my throat but that's risky because I could choke and I have done that but I have to do it with my best um skills so that that doesn't happen right now okay. and because I'm trying to impress you with my sucking <laughs> and <laughs> a couple of people who have attended a tasting have been uh so funny that they've mentioned other things that they thought I was doing and one of them had said to me that it was it was sounded like something that he's heard at Mardi Gras, which I can't understand why mm -hmm. he would go around listening to things at Mardi Gras. <laughs> but anyway, so everyone can make their own assessment of this, but I'll do the first one and then you two need to probably have a little practice. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, so just remember what it tasted like the first time. Okay. And now, and if you say it doesn't taste any different, well, then we'll go, just go back to some other questions. <laughs> we'll just rest and Now, so aerate it and just see if this takes you closer to uh, maybe taking a guess at the varietal. Oh, I did a terrible attempt at that. You don't have to do it loudly. Wow. <laughs> Luckily, there's a microphone here. I might have had to take a little break for a, a Ventolin. It does taste very different when you do. Mm. Oh, Okay. I must have done it right. So the difference, can you just tell me one thing that stands out? Can so I the first time it didn't taste like a Shiraz, but it, however, it 
It could be any other varietal and it could be blended. It could be anything that is possible. Look, look, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like it and probably bitter is not the correct word, but it felt like it because it felt a little bit more lighter and a bit sweeter to then having it aerated for me. I felt like it got that bit more of a kick. Yes. It once it got aerated. Yes. And I don't know, bitter is probably not the right word to describe it. But I well, like- the acid is the bitterness mm. and that is often an indicator of the wine possibly being produced for it to be cellared mm. because you, you don't just have any wine put in the cellar. You can for a couple of years, but some are made to improve and others are made to drink now. So the acid will confirm with you that that wine would improve if it's put into the cellar in the right conditions oh, wow. because with the acid it then develops the wine a bit further and if the wines had oak it then all integrates and it can be uh, a a great product from the winemaker who's had to have a lot of risk doing that and it's it if you're not an experienced winemaker you wouldn't really do it but it's a it's a little bit uncertain and if you're making it for a company that haven't instructed you to do it, like maybe some I did, um, then if it's not what the marketing team have been told is the use for it or the purpose of it for wine lists or something like that, and people these days, they don't have the money to put into the cellar, yeah. right? Most people purchase the wine and take it home. However, if you came here, I would be able to tell you one wine that I've made to put into the cellar if it's being given as a gift or whatever. It is risky if it's not actually designed for that. And the wine that we're currently sipping could improve with age. Mm -hmm. It is also okay now with, because it's a red, it's quite good with uh, something like a seafood dish Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't really have to have the lemon. It balances it, the acid, yes. same, similar acid, right? So what varietal do you think it is? Now, when we play a wine options game, mm-hmm. what we do is I would ask you multiple choice questions. So, okay, yep, okay, let's do that. So is this a blend or a straight varietal? I'm going to say it's a straight. I think it's straight as well. Correct. Okay. Very good. And out of the varietals, I'll give you three options. I'd like to know, ladies, if this if this is I feel nervous now. Uh, if this is Sangiovese, Shiraz from another region, because we already I already told you it's not Shiraz yeah, region, yeah. or Pinot Noir. It's a Pinot. Noir. I think it's Noir. Oh my goodness. Did you guys want to come and do some work with me? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's a Pinot Noir. Oh, and yes. is this a wine from the Lisa McGuigan collection or is this from New, from New Zealand where that, they're really renowned for Pinot or from Victoria where there's a lot of amazing producers? Well, because this tastes so fabulous, I'm going to say it's a, a Lisa McGuigan. I dare say Correct. I agree. All right. Well, let, let's get on to... The other part of the question, which okay. is what – so you know that I don't 
uh, use just Hunter Valley yes, yes, grown varietals. I source from any all regions and so regions that are renowned for a varietal, well, that's where I kind of start yeah. because there's no point going for a varietal that isn't grown well in a particular region and they're trying to grow it like okay. Tempranillo or something. So, ladies, did I source this Pinot Noir from Adelaide Hills, mm-hmm. Yarra Valley, Mm. Or Tasmania. Uh, oh, you know what? what? Before you even said anything, but I'm just going to say it because I thought of Tasmania before you even said anything. But go on. Oh no, because now I feel like I'm probably going to be the one that says it wrong. But I have a feeling like I think Adelaide, and it's probably going to be wrong. And I already feel like it's wrong, but I'll go Adelaide for now. You're probably going to go Tassie. I'm just still going to go with Tassie. Well, I always say go with your first instinct, mm. and if you if you have a question, then about it then maybe your instinct isn't what you're going with mm. so that Sense. is overthinking yeah right? and yes. that's what that's what is a natural thing to do I would do that if I was being asked by someone the questions because it's even worse if I don't get it right yes and in this instance neither of you are correct oh but 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 sort of correct in one way because I used to source Adela- from Adelaide Hills Pinot from a great producer that shared with me and then unfortunately they had the terrible fires and then their crops were really terribly affected and yeah. it was devastating for them more so than me but I had to change my area. And so this is – and Tasmania, well, I was very general. I didn't say a region so I was just being kind of giving you another <laughs> hint. <laughs> but, but Yarra Valley yeah, right. and it's very hard to get – from the Yarra Valley producers, them to share. Really? Yeah. So I had to be very, very detective, wow. Lisa, at the when I decided that I was going to try because Yarra Valley is really renowned for developing with a bit of age because it's very light. Yeah. Developing with age. Also, it's, it's double the price of any other Pinot that I've ever been able to source. So I was okay. just trying to have a bit of a kind of see if I could do some trick someone or seduce someone into making it more like my previous Pinot. And I fell in love with the with the with the wine before it was just before it was finished. And it was a winemaker I used to work with and he had to, uh, heard that I was looking for something, but he used to work in a big winery and he'd gone to a small winery. And so he knew that I would pay because they had some available. And not that the wine industry are renowned for not paying, but he knew that I was, when I spoke to him, I was really passionately Seriously. looking for it. And I got a small batch. Oh. Yes. And it just it makes it more complex if you've got to take it from one winery, transport it, all that. It's like livestock, ponies, okay. whatever. Mm-hmm. It becomes a little bit cost ridiculous. Mm. And because it's lighter, People who are tasting it because they may not have even loved Pinot before Mm. and a lot of ladies, they kind of drink maybe what, generally speaking, what their husband has because he'll order the bottle at dinner and men don't aren't renowned for ordering Pinot Noir because it's a little bit not... Masculine? Yeah. Mm. I didn't want to say that because I don't want to seem like she's a girl, she's saying this. No, no. And so that's generally speaking. I find that a lot of ladies that come here who say their husband says I, she doesn't drink red. Well, excuse me. <laughs> that's one way to get me to talk to you for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> and this particular wine, I have it 
at the temperature that it would be in winter at in the Yarra and it's a much colder, it doesn't ripen as much and therefore it's I slightly chill it because it makes it so here it would be 18 degrees and it's now about nine. And wow. and you wouldn't do that to Shiraz because it would make it really closed and it wouldn't be as open. You warm up or you aerate and warm them. Okay. However, because the amazing characters come out at a slightly lower point, it makes it great for the first red wine of you might be able to have it if you don't want to have white so you start the okay. evening. Or with a group of people, the best one to transition from, say, in the order of wines, from Chardonnay to red or from rosé. Ah. If So if you've got 10 people, that's a glass each. Yeah. So it's not like I don't mean being out with two or three people and you onto your fourth bottle, but it's great when you're with a group of people because you can. Ju- it's good to have one wine instead of a couple on the table at the same time. Yeah. Go round the table once with one wine. It's just a yeah. taste. And if someone goes, oh, I just want that, fine. Okay. However, you get to taste more that aren't necessarily what you'd normally order because when you've got to have a bottle, it's a big commitment. And then if you don't like it oh yes, yeah, so and I've, you've ordered it for someone else, yeah, then true. they're not happy. True. And you order wine by the glass mm. or something. I'm yes. just suggesting that. Anybody that we've been speaking with today, especially yourselves, yeah. trial this if you don't. And that's why I get excited when it's a group of people because everyone doesn't think, oh, she's going to pick all these great wines. And then they're not happy with one wine on the table because I don't want to talk about wine or not. I don't want to talk with friends about yeah. everything else, not wine lecture because I don't <laughs> think I don't think they want that. We've come to learn all about wine. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you. Yes. So, and when it's in the wine cellar of a restaurant, those wines are usually on the rack at about 10 or 13 degrees. And it's only when it warms up on the table that, so it would not be in the fridge, it would be in a cool area okay. such as this, because this is air conditioned mm. constantly because I store all, all the wines here. Yeah. And this would be about 14. Okay. So yeah, this wow. is where I sit when I'm doing my emails. <laughs> when it's <laughs> hot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Near the cool room as well. I love it that we're out here. I know. So do I. It's, actually. it's lovely. And look, I can rock my Crocs without any judgment from Oh, I've taken a photo. Well. I'm going to put it on Facebook. <laughs> now, now, Lisa, we have, um, we ask all of our guests three questions. Yes. Everyone gets the same three questions. Yes. Okay. Yep. So. Our first question is, what do you say to people who say they have no creativity in them whatsoever? Because everyone has some form of creativity. But, you know, you hear people that say, oh, I'm a creative, I can't do this. Or what do you think? Maybe I'll just skip past them and they okay. well, Next. <laughs> well, look, I, I don't really believe that. Yeah. And as far as the position that I generally meet people in, I give them a bit more wine and then... Butter them up. But I, I think that people who say that have either done some design and it's technically what everything is has a, a way to present, yes. even accounting. Yes. And it's, it's, it, it doesn't have to be 
an amazing um, painting or a label for a bottle of wine, I think that if the person takes the advice of trying, say, that Pinot when they drink red, for example, well, that's they're creative. Yeah. And, and I really, if that question were on everyone's mind and there was the challenge of the day that everybody was going to get the opinion from me whether they were the most creative or the least mm-hmm. out of a group of people, well, by the time they left, they probably would skip you as well because then they would have no reason to qualify because that would have just taken them out of their normal scenario. Yeah. However, I wouldn't recommend they go and do the interior of a house or something straight away. But just try something different, wear something different. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Or don't talk about it because I don't really say don't, but you, if you aren't in consideration of or you don't consider that you're creative because your husband might have said, oh, I hate the way the uh, kitchen is or something because generally creativity is applied to re- renovations or interiors things like that that are completely visual and, and mm. there are choices. I think that you can, well, I would probably be told I wasn't creative when I first started doing wine if I didn't do out there wine because I'd seen so much Shiraz and, and Semyon. So it's really what your environment's yeah. like. And so you've got to change your environment as well mm-hmm. and don't be nervous about that because a lot of people don't want to change. Get out of comfort zone. Yeah. And just, yeah, get out of that for an occasion. Like occasionally I wear blue. Whoa, look out. Or, but that's in my. It's a very dark navy. (laughs) It was not navy. It was, (laughs) it was, I, uh, what's the, um, the, the brighter blue is called. Like a powder blue or a baby blue. No. um. Not a royal blue. No. I know what you're talking about, though. It's the, Is it yeah. like, kind of like the blue on the cable, close to that kind of level yes. of blue? Yes. What is that? <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. It's, uh... Oh, goodness. Oh, my God, what is that? Well... Anyway, that blue. That blue behind me... I'm like an electric blue. Electric. It's electric. Electric blue. There we go. We got there. So <laughs> that's the that's the that's your creativity coming out. Well, you love the what I was wearing, uh-huh. which, which was my nun's outfit. Oh, we need to see that now. Yes. <laughs> Do we? I think we so. Well, yes. I think so. Maybe next visit yeah. I'll wear it for you. Oh, uh, yes. But I went to a Catholic girls' school, right? Oh wow. So did I. And you know, sometimes I. Just want people to not ask me questions and then I'll help them with their questions. Okay. So I'm lying and pretending, but <laughs> it's good fun. I'm not I'm not outrageous wearing that in here. I just sit quietly in, in the boardroom. Just brings out the chatter. Yes, but I just think, well, maybe people will think that because I have crosses everywhere because I'm afraid of the devil and he will stay out. <laughs> That it's really religious here, like what we experienced at school, which was always fabulous. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Would you like to do number two? Yes, the next question, which, look, I don't know how relevant this will be because I feel like you've gotten there, but we'll see what what you say anyway. But if your career and upbringing had no kind of restrictions and I guess that sense of like where your dad had sent you away and things like that, where do you feel that your career would be if you didn't have those barriers and boundaries growing up and trying to get into the industry or do you feel like you've pretty much gotten there now? Well, I think it would have been in a different industry, would have taken a different path. And my best friend from school 
was the inspiration for me to know what maybe I, what career would be suitable that I was excited about, and that was studying visual arts and maybe working in the industry, not being an artist, but maybe consulting on um, design and bringing that into the the industries that don't clearly get a consultant to advise them if they've got the idea and to, to yes. fine-tune it. Yeah. I thought that that's what I'd like to do because I really had an attitude about design. Okay. Yeah. Or how things looked. Yeah. Yeah. Like the nun's outfit. Yeah. Well, I've added a little bit of red. No. <laughs> a little bit of shush. Yes. I'll bring it out shortly. I love it. I love it. Okay. And last question. What would you say to your 15-year-old self now? Oh, God. I would say don't worry too much because if you follow your intuition and you don't let other people influence your decision and when you feel strongly do it you're right you're correct don't have any doubt because I often doubted when I was younger what other people had would say older people right yeah and I've had quite a lot of really amazing people who have influenced my life because I have asked their opinion but I think the, the confidence that I came back with from overseas and being able to pick up a language and return and have learned so much, that was outstanding for me because I had, I had never had such a growth period in my life and then I came back with the inspiration and I also came back with the confidence to be able to speak with people and to ask them the right questions and not that I've been able to ask you any, uh, but, but to have the relevant conversations as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, you make me a little bit teary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Why, is this something you think that I should have introduced into my life? At no, looking not at, at all. my I just at my older self. No, not at all. I just think yeah. No, I'm joking. No, not at all. <laughs> I, think, just... I think it's also like when kind of we've um, like you are our second guest, so in, in being able to ask that and getting what people other think about when they reflect on this is what I tell myself. It's even like I kind of listening going, oh, I should take this on as well. Yes. Because we all- I can't wait to listen to the others <laughs> because it's actually, it's a really relevant question and I actually don't think I've been asked that yeah. previously. And therefore, if I had have thought about it a bit prior to talking to you today, I might have had a little bit more of a specific response that could have been my second, my next part of that response because that's really a very yeah. vague one. And so I'm really glad that you asked me these questions yeah. and I'm so glad that you actually were even interested in meeting with me because I don't even know how you found me. But <laughs> But it's been yeah. fabulous it been being involved fabulous. with you. And I can't wait to take the photo. Oh, yes, this is going to be fabulous. We can't wait to. <laughs> thank you, Lisa. But no, thank you so much for your time. It's been lovely to see you again. It's been quite a while since I saw you last, but it's definitely awesome to be able to see kind of yeah, where you, thank where you, you are ladies. and everything. For now, we'll leave you with that and have a great week. Cheers. Bye.